This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, hello there. Welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, we're not. But But. we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Hello, welcome to the show. If you're new here, friendly reminder that you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we talk about. Our Instagram is Forever 35 Podcast. Uh, there is a Forever 35 Facebook community. The group's password is Serums. You can find products that we love at shopmy.us slash Forever 35. And you can sign up for the newsletter, our show newsletter, at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And I also just want to mention that we have some really great merch at balancebound.co slash shop slash forever35. And you can also call or text us at 781-591-0390 and email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. You know, um, our my family is about to embark on a road trip through some southwestern states. I'm excited in for you. America. I'm really pumped. My husband is very worked up because <clears throat> he's really worried about the about rain. But oh. I think he's just been so excited about this trip and is like sure, very frustrated. Sure, sure. But like, you know what? It's all fine. But on my packing list is my Forever 35 hoodie. I love it. And we're like, we're going to be camping and hiking F- and yeah. spending a lot of time in the car. And it just feels like a real cozy choice for me to bring as I tootaloot on over. <laughs> To Zion National Park. Toot, tootaloot. Look, if you see me screaming at my kids in a national park, say hi. (laughs) I doubt you'll be screaming at your kids. Really? Because I feel pretty confident that at some point I'm going to yell at my kids. Really? I mean, mean, yeah. But it's not going to be like like an ongoing. I don't know. You doubt me, but I could prove you wrong. Kate, I do doubt you. You know, my mom was a bit of a yeller, and I feel like that it's like interesting when you grow up, uh, like you you just mimic your your parents in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like even though you're sometimes trying to you're trying to break the cycles, mm-hmm. I feel like also mm-hmm. how they communicated mm-hmm. is ingrained on you. And my mom, mm-hmm. who was amazing, had a bit of like a she was like quick to temper, which is exactly how I am. So quick to take it there. She was a Scorpio, Dory, and I feel like she really oh. scorped. Okay. Say no more. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Say no more. Anyway, <sighs> how you doing over there? You know, Kate, as I was saying to you before we started recording, I have been having some revelations about my feet and shoes. Now, let's take the group chat to the podcast because you have been sending me a lot of photos of shoes. I which have. I love, so, which I will never say no to, I, a shoe try-on. I've been looking for some sneakers, some like, not like athletic shoes, not like running shoes, but just like shoes I can wear out kind of a, thing. A style sneaker. A style sneaker. And I haven't been really finding anything great. And I've also realized, so, well, okay, let me back up. I ordered a couple pairs of sneakers, the same style in a couple different sizes. They didn't have what I thought was my actual size. So I ordered the half size down and the half size up because like in typical like user review fashion, half the Mm -hmm. people were like, these run big and half the people Uh were like, these run small. And it's like, (laughs) 
And no one's like, we all have different feet with totally. different issues. It's like, okay, well, that's not helpful. So I'll, I'm just going to get these two. And so I put on the smaller size and I was like, ooh, these feel good. And they, and I thought they look cute. And I was just wearing them around the house because I do find that like I need to wear shoes for, you know, a couple of hours yeah, to just like to get a really feel for them. get the feeling. And I was like feeling them. And then I asked Matt to feel my toes in the shoes. I was like, do you feel like these fit? And he was, and he felt them and he was like, absolutely not. They're way too small. Oh. And I was like, oh, he's like, I'm like, well, I did get another size, but they're like a full size bigger. And he's like, well, try those on. I was like, but they felt too big. He's like, put them on. So I put them on and he's like, feels my toes again. He's like, this is your right size. And I was like, oh, but my problem is that I have a narrow heel. So oftentimes I think what ends up happening is the shoes that are indeed perhaps slightly too small are the ones that fit in the heel. And then the ones that are the actual, my actual size, my heel comes up. Oh boy. That's annoying. It's very annoying. So now I'm like feeling all of my shoes and I'm like, wait a second. Oh no. I'm like I these might be these might be half a size too small. Like you've been in the wrong size shoe your whole life? <sighs> well, I knew I had already gone up like almost a full size, half half a size to a full size after I had Henry. But like it's possible I was already wearing the wrong size. You know what I mean? I do. So this has just thrown me into a tailspin. Now, you know what you need? And I don't know if this exists. Like, maybe it does. You don't need, like, just to go to a shoe store and have someone measure your foot. You need, like, the bra, personalized bra measurement shopping experience, but for your feet. Yes. And, like, I feel like, like everything else, people who actually know how to measure feet and are, like, trained shoe people it like doesn't exist anymore like mm-hmm. i love nordstrom mm-hmm. i've bought many things at nordstrom and i love the people who work in the shoe department but they do not know shit about fit like i'm sorry <laughs> they just speak your truth Tori. they just don't and like that is the place with like the widest selection of shoes in our vicinity I don't know. If like, someone look, wants to get their foot properly measured, who do you see? Do you go to a podiatrist? <gasps> like truly. I don't know. Is like, do custom sneakers exist? <laughs> I mean, everything exists for a price, right? It does. It does. That's it's a very, true. you know. It's true. Ugh, cynical I don't know. point of view, but. I have like, as discussed previously, I have wide toes, but a narrow heel and it is not. And my right foot is bigger than my left foot. Mm. So it's not a great, it's not a great combo. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That's frustrating. It is frustrating. I mean, could you go to a cobbler? That's not a thing. No one's cobbling shoes for people anymore, right? Like at at a reasonable price. I don't think anyone's cobbling anymore. Like the cobblers, that's got to be at a very expensive yeah. Endeavor. Well, although, am I am I imagining things? Or didn't Daniel Day-Lewis play a cobbler and he like went and to Italy and learned how to make shoes? Oh, Could we find happen? him? Hmm, just going to do a huh. quick Google. You know, Kate, I'm wondering if I should, <laughs> if I should try on clouds for tennis shoes. Oh, I love on clouds. I know me too. Uh, also, anyway. Yes. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis did become a cobbler. Wow. Okay. Yep. He did. Okay. Okay. So maybe, <sighs> although maybe that could also become your new hobby. Cobbling? I don't know. I mean, would you be down for that? Is that strange? Uh, you know, uh, I am, I don't know. I, uh, this is just, it's just, it's just like, it's just it's something I'm just trying to wrap my head around. That's fair. But That's now fair. I'm like thinking way too much about my shoes and how they feel. Like I put on my hokas and I was like, wait, are oh, these too I, small? You're in your head. Yeah. It's in my head now. Yeah. And look, 
as with many things that we discuss, are there bigger problems in the world? Yes. A hundo percent. But is this the problem I'm thinking about right this second? Yes, it is. It sure is. It is. You know, I think these problems (sighs) are easier to tackle than, say, the things that cause us legitimate panic, like Mm. the judge in Texas deciding about abortion pills. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the things that I'm I'm uh-huh. fucking spiraling about. It's like, uh-huh. let me take a moment to focus on something smaller. My toes. Yeah. Yeah. So you and that's okay. To something. We all, we, I think that's a coping mechanism that we are allowed to have to survive these times and all okay. times. All right. Okay? So you just, you just take a minute and think about your feet for a little bit, Dory. And I think that's okay. <sighs> Okay. Okay. Thank you for thank you for seeing me. Thank you for giving me permission for that. I appreciate you. You're welcome. And just keep sending me pics of shoes. I will. I do wonder like if and this might be a li- this might not exist, but men's narrow shoes might work for you. Like I often wear men's shoes. Um, men's narrow shoes are I think the same width as women's shoes. Okay, I think so that men's regular width are D and women's regular width are B. Um, maybe men's narrow is C. I don't know. But I, men's shoes tend to be too wide for me. Do we need to find a, a shoemaker to come on this podcast? I mean, I might need to find a shoe designer. I mean, I, I'm thinking of one pair of kind of like independent, uh, independent shoe designer who I love, who sh- I have one pair of her shoes. Who? It's called Zoo, Zoo, Z-O-U-X-O-U. Um, okay. And I'm obsessed with, I love her shoes. I have one pair of her Mary Janes. And she designs shoes. I'm trying to think of like someone who like, who is like a shoe designer we could also like who might know feet this is very niche are you out there let us know calling all cobblers calling all cobblers (laughs) i just love saying the word cobbler it's such a great word it like bounces in your mouth i love it it does it really does well look let's shift gears a little bit gears let's do that bring out our guest okay okay i'm ready we have a really fun conversation to share with you all today. We talked to Brittany Luz, who is an award-winning journalist, on-air host, and cultural critic. She's the host of It's Been a Minute. Love It's Been a Minute. And also for Colored Nerds. She previously hosted The Nod and Sampler Podcasts and co-hosted and executive produced The Nod with Brittany and Eric, which was a daily streaming show. She's written for Vulture and Harper's Bazaar, among many other places, and edited for the podcasts like Planet Money and Not Past It. Her work uh, has been profiled by publications like The New York Times, The New Yorker, Vulture, Teen Vogue, and we just had the most fun Ugh. chat. She's she's so fun. I I have to say, like, I love interviewing podcasters because they like get it, you know? <laughs> and she especially gets it. I mean, she's an extremely talented extremely like good at what she does she's so good at what in she terms does. of being a producer a host an interviewer like mm-hmm. chef's kiss mm-hmm. so i hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we enjoyed doing it and we'll we'll be right back I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. 
Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have love do it. they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office i'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs. It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, 
try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Brittany, welcome to Forever 35. We are very excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. This is not a topic for the podcast, but I do just want to say that I'm obsessed with the green walls behind you. I love this color. (laughs) I love this paint. Brittany's got like, it's like the best green. I don't know how to describe it. Sweet basil. Benjamin Moore. I literally, there's like a, I don't know the difference between any paint. I'm like not a big, I'm not big into, um, DIY. I don't like to. Oh God, no! I don't like to DIY anything. But um, yeah, it was like you know lockdown mostly. My husband and I were working at home. We still work in the same office in the same room at home all day long, um, which I really like. We both like it. That's we at this point do it by choice. Um, but yeah, it was just looking so desolate in here. This is a room with no windows. I don't know if either of you have one of those in your apartment. But in our part, you know, a lot of New York apartments, you know. Sometimes like a railroad just, situation. Yeah. And so mm-hmm, ours mm-hmm. is just like a straight, it just goes straight through. And so this is the room with no windows. Um, and yeah, turns out I thought it would look worse to have a dark color on the walls, but it just, it makes the room so much bigger and less. It, it, you, I can't describe to you how terrible it looked when it had like a high gloss. It wasn't my, it was a landlord thing, a high gloss white. Mm, on the a, green is perfect. Overhead lighting. What's that? The green is perfect. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm so proud. Yeah, because I did this myself and I was, I fought oh, wow. against it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we like, I literally was just like, okay, there's a hardware store around the corner. What the paint that they have there is the paint that we will use. Right. You're not, you weren't like Pinterest boarding paints. No. But one thing I did do is we had, this is a couch. So this is like not our living room. This couch is just a couch that we had in, when we had lived in a smaller apartment and had a smaller living room. And so we just moved it in here because it fit perfectly in the office. And it's nice because my husband's a film editor. So he has people come over and like watch, you know, a new cut of something and they can sit on the couch. But um, we, I did, one thing I did do that was really anal retentive was to go and get samples. Like we, once we realized that we wanted to have green, um, we did the like whole thing where you can actually, you know, go on the Benjamin Moore website and see like which one works best. Then we went to the store and got different chips and like put the greens up against the couch that we knew we were going to have. And then like of like the three or five that we thought were best, we got samples and put them on the wall and let them dry for like a day. And that was how we picked. And it was perfect. I hated the fact that I had to follow through on something that much in order for it to work, but <laughs> It, it, unfortunately, <laughs> follow through. Oh, damn it. It works. 
All right. You know, what? <laughs> it's just interesting talking about like paint color in the room and the, and the high gloss white walls, which I think if, if anyone's ever been a renter, you have experienced and it, those can feel so soul sucking. Yes. And like, we always, we always kind of kick off talking about self care on the podcast. And I do really think like the simple act of painting a wall or your space or adding color, like I imagine the room must feel more soothing now working in it in this like beautiful kind of foresty green than it was when it was like a shimmering, you know, Oh yes. Lacour. Lacour was yes, it was like shimmering. It was a shimmering white lacquer mess. And also like me and my husband hadn't figured out like our equipment situation. We both like him working in film and me working in audio both have a very intense equipment situation. Behind me is a closet door. Um there you can probably see two little prongs right there. That's for the Mm -hmm. shoe hanger for his for like 20 pairs of his sneakers and then the inside is like various cleaning supplies and just boxes and boxes of audio and film equipment and drives that people have sent over the past few years so it was just like it would but all of those were like on the floor behind us it was just bad it was a really bad situation so now it's kind of like it's kind of like cute and when i was freelancing i used to nap on the couch all the time i would just be like you know what i've had enough of this, whatever this is. I'm just going to lay down and close my eyes. So yeah, it is really nice to work in a nice office. My career coach was the main person who was like, we were going to do it. We were going to do it. We we're going to do it. And then my career coach was like, girl, you need to get this together. Like <laughs> the next time I talk to you, like in a, in a month, you, this needs to be taken care of. And um, because I only respond to external pressure. Um, I did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> but I love it. Um, well, Brittany, we, we do usually like to start off by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. Is there something that you do regularly that you would consider self-care? Yes. I am like a, such a, I don't know if you can call yourself lapsed if you're like, if you've always been lapsed at something, but I'm like <laughs> a lapsed, like wannabe self-care girly. It just doesn't fully pan out for me. Um, I don't know what it is, but I, um, in the morning, one of the things that has been the trickiest for me in the morning, like I used to just respond to the external stimuli of like, I'm going to be late for work. I have to physically go into the office. That was what things were like Mm -hmm. for me before lockdown, Mm -hmm. like, you know, pre COVID, it was like, I got to be there. I would be late, but I was still like, you know, I had to go. So I was going to get up in the morning. I was going to do my thing, but I'm not a coffee drinker. I realized like during the pandemic, I realized like during lockdown that my husband would get up in the morning, have coffee. Boom. That's his, that's like his motivator. Like he's going to get up, he's going to have coffee. I mean, also he just like, he's like a lovely person in the morning, moving nice and slow and all this sort of stuff like that. Just chipping away at his day. Um, I don't wake up like that. I wake up really with an attitude and really mean, but having a lot of energy. So like, I don't need coffee, but I'm so rude. Um, so I was looking for something that would like, I I could look forward to that would make me want to wake up and like get up and eventually get moving. Mm. And, um, and also something that like, I, I actually am now 35, maybe I'll be 35 forever, but I actually am now 35. (laughs) Um, and I, I have decided at 35 that like, I'm not picking up any new habits that like, I am not going to be able to have at 70. Um, so I wasn't going to start like, doing any type of like I wasn't I'm not gonna get up and flip a tire in the morning. I don't want to do that shit. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I don't want to do that also. Do that. <laughs> no. So I'm not gonna get up in the morning and flip tires and do that type of shit. I just it's you're I'm referring not that to CrossFit. Girl. Yes. I don't know what they or, call it. Or whatever it is. I'm okay. not familiar. Yeah. I stay okay. away from all that. It could be witchcraft <laughs> as far as I know. I I just stay out. It's not my business. Um and so I started um I started uh, meditating. So I, my therapist had been asking me to do it for, well, I've been seeing my therapist for 11 years. So at the time I really started meditating regularly, uh, she'd been asking me to do it for a decade and I would kind of do it off and on. I was like, girl, whatever. I'm like, this is not going to help me. Close my eyes. It's not going to help me. I need to be awake. I need to deal with my problems. And she was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, I just started meditating every day for five minutes and I still do it almost every day, even on the weekends. Um, and then I will make a gratitude journal of three things that I'm grateful for. And then sometimes if I have some extra residue in my mind, then I'll like write for a little bit longer about something that's bothering me or something I've discovered. And I really love it. Like, even if I don't do anything else, like even if like, you know, you know, some days you just, it's not going to happen. You know, things just 
life yes. things are not going to happen. Yeah. Even on days like that, I actually will still get up and meditate for at least five minutes and do my little gratitude journal. And it like, I, I guess for me, it's coffee. It's not, I don't need energy in the morning. I need an attitude adjustment. And that is like my mm. attitude adjustment. I I noticed you mentioned your career coach and also your therapist. And it sounds like you have created a really great community of support for yourself. Um, mm. I'm like, especially curious about a career coach. What is it like to, to work with someone in that capacity? If you, if you're comfortable sharing, like, yeah. um, what was your intention in seeking it out and how, how has that relationship impacted your, your life and your career? Um, that's a great question. So I, um, I have the, like, I'm not currently working with a career coach at the moment, but I was from late 2021 like pretty much until I started working at NPR in September of 2022. So almost about a year I was working with a career coach. Her name is Freya Blom. She's amazing. She's based in the UK. So she's got like this authoritative, well, she's got this British accent that I'm sure if you're British, it's neutral and, and great. Um, but to me, as an American from the Midwest, um, I find it very authoritative. And I'm just sort of like, I, I just got to follow and do what she says to do. Um, but uh, she's actually the second career coach that I've worked with. I work with somebody named Stacey Robbins, who is one of my older sister's best friends. Um, and she was, she needed like coaching hours uh, to help with her like doctoral research or like doctoral certification or something like that. And so when I was unemployed, let me back up. When I was unemployed in 2013, the reason why I was unemployed is because I got fired from a motorcycle dealership because that's what I was doing at the time. I should not have been working there. I was the worst employee. I was unemployed and I just was like, didn't really know what I was doing, how to make things work, what, like, I didn't know what was going on. And, um, I, but I was really, really, really intent on getting a new job. And like, I was, I had all these systems and things like that to get things done. And I was really on it when I think back on it, I was really driven to get a new job. But it just wasn't working after a few months. And Stacy needed somebody to coach for free to like get her hours. And so she worked with me and I ended up getting a job a couple months after working with her. So I saw the value in having a career coach pretty early on in my career. I was probably like 25 at that point in time um, and really hadn't yet settled into like a long term career path. Um, but I still saw like the utility in having like that coaching role in your life or whatever in that area of like my life. And then um, I started working with Freya, um, actually by recommendation of my old co-host, Eric. Um, one of his wife's friends had worked with her. Um, she's a cookbook author and she was like raving about her. He uh, had like gotten in contact with her and he was like, oh, this lady's great. You should talk to her. Um, I, w I had been freelancing um, at that point for a couple, like a year, a couple years. And, um, and I was like in the podcast space, I guess I still am, uh, but I just... I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew what I was doing, um, but I, I didn't know rather, rather I had like, I, I really needed some sort of help and accountability in figuring out what my, the next step in my career was going to look like. And also like what I really wanted and how I put this, I was doing a fine enough job freelancing in that truthfully, I was really fortunate. People always have reached out to me for work. I've had to like, you know, apply. Sometimes people are reaching out to invite me to apply for something like the job I have now. I had to apply for it and go through a lengthy, you know, interview process and whatnot. But um most of the work that I got when I was freelancing for, I don't know, two or three years was people just re for the like yeah, two and a half years or whatever was just people being like, hey, do you want to do this? Which was amazing. Um and so I wasn't having problems looking for work. I just I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but freelancing sometimes can just be kind of a mind fuck, you know? Mm. Like you have to be your own yeah admin you have to be your own coworker. you have to be your own boss and i was a terrible boss to myself um but i just was really struggling to sort of clarify what my what value i was bringing to the work that i was doing not to say that i was i assumed that i wasn't bringing any value but i was really trying to figure out like well, yeah like like how do i put this um yeah, just like I I had worked at an at an organization for so long. I had worked at like my old company, Gimlet Media, for so long, for four and a half years. Um and also I had a great, you know, working partnership with my old co-host, but it was just also like, who am I as an individual? Who am I outside of this organization? Who am I outside of this partnership? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really 
helpful to work with a career coach to help me clarify like what I wanted to do next, how I wanted to get there. Um, and also to like become more confident and, and, and uniquely aware of what it is that I specifically bring to what I work on. Um, yeah. And I, 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 yeah. And also too, like just navigating, um, the process of winding down, like when I first started working at NPR, bless them, I was actually still freelancing. So I was still hosting for Colored Nerds and producing that. And I also was still working on a project, like another freelance project that was like, you know, took up a decent amount of time. So starting a full-time job with two other like sort of 10 to 20 hour a week (laughs) freelance jobs was a lot. And I had an overlap of about two months where things were like that. Um, So it was great to be able to have Freya to lean on as I was like, you know, sort of going from like freelance mode um, back into, you know, an organization. I had had some negative experiences working for a large company before. Um, and I wanted to figure out like, you know, how to, I guess, sort of be open to the experience that I could have working at NPR. Um, I was excited about it, but you know, I still had, I guess, like some fears around, um, you know, being in charge of a team again, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, um, learning a new organization. Like I, you know, I was like the new kid at school. A lot of people who work at NPR have been there for a long time. So it was really helpful to have somebody to lean on during that time, um, of transitioning from freelance work to, um, going back to like a full-time, you know, paid job with benefits. And honestly, like the transition was great. Um, and I really think that having worked with a career coach, through that process, like over the course of that year, I think that was a huge key. So that's mm. such a long answer, but <laughs> no, I, I'm like sold on <laughs> me too. I'm like, like type, type, career type. coach time for me to find one. <laughs> but um, also I think it's, it's so nice. Um, sorry, Dory. I apologize for interrupting. I, I think it's just um, very nice to hear people talk about what's going on behind the scenes career wise, because mm. so often like I'm just thinking of, you know, observing your career as like a person who has listened to you in various outlets for a while. Like my impression would be like, Oh, Brittany has it all figured out and just like knew exactly the path that they were Mm. on. And that was it, you know? And so it's, (laughs) it's really, it's very helpful to know that there are moments of questioning or like re or personal reorganization or like really digging into what your values and strengths are. I just, I appreciate hearing that so much. I try to be honest about things like that. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for saying that. But I try to be honest about things like that because, um, yeah, I I don't ever want to make it seem like I would just know how to do anything because I don't. <laughs> there, there'd be a lot of other things I'd have figured out in my life if I just knew how to do things. Um, and I just think it's disingenuous when other people act like they figured things out on their own. And it also erases the work and contributions of other people that they invite into their lives. And I think that that's not a nice thing to do. Yeah, that's so that's so important. Um so NPR. <laughs> um you <laughs> yeah. you you took over as the host of It's Been a Minute in October, right? Yeah, I started working there in September, but we started I started working there on September 19th and we began publishing episodes on October 7th. Okay. Um I, I mean it, it it's like a very popular, some might say iconic show. And what, <laughs> what 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 was it like to kind of step into this new role? Um, you know, the nod and for colored nerds I, were both shows that you kind of conceived of on your own, you know, with with uh, partners, but but were were your shows, and now you're kind of stepping into someone else's show, but as the host. And so I'm I'm wondering what that experience has been like, and how you have been kind of putting your own stamp on things. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> yeah. That was so. The whole like it's been a minute thing really happened like at the right time, and weirdly mm. enough, it was like something um, that like. How about this? I, when I was in the process of like working with my career coach, um, but just spending a lot of time like journaling, meditating, paying attention to what I was, um, what freelance work I was really enjoying um, versus which things that were like, oh, this is cool, but like, I don't know if I need to do this again. Um, 
And I got really clear on, on, and well, I'll say that, like, I got really clear on what I wanted out of a next job. Mm. Um, and I also got like, I got to a point freelancing where I loved it, but I also was just kind of mentally, you know, like a lot of people post pandemic, just mentally frayed. And I was like, I think it's time for me to go back to a job where I can be more collaborative, work, work with a larger team, have more support. Um, again, also like work with a larger team in terms of like interact with more people on a daily basis. Um, (laughs) and so I like wrote down on like an orange post-it note. I keep orange post-it notes like all over my desk. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote down an orange post-it note, everything, like the specific things that I was looking for in the next job, like down from like, you know, from things like, you know, in terms of like, um, I knew I wanted to have some good bennies. I wanted to have some good benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like I knew that I actually wanted to take over an existing show. Mm. Um, I knew that I wanted to speak to a larger audience of people. Um, and I like really enjoy, um, I really enjoy, like I wanted to work with, with like lots of different producers. Um, I enjoy working on teams that, you know, that are like a little larger. I think it can be really fun to just, see everybody sort of intermingle and to kind of get like, I don't know, get stewing together on ideas. Like I just find that really fun. And, um, and also like I wanted to, I knew I wanted to talk about pop culture and that was like, those were like the main things. I was really open to what that looked like. And as soon as I wrote that post-it down, like, and this is after Sam had already left the show. Like I wasn't even thinking about that job specifically. Mm. I assumed it had already been filled. Um, Someone from, you know, somebody who was, I think, on the search committee or whatever for for the role reached out. And when I was having the introductory phone call, I kept the post-it note on my desk specifically so that as like a decision-making tool, so that when people called me for certain things, I knew what to say yes to and what to say no to. Or at least I knew what to say yes to to get to the next sort of thing. And that was like, I got to give myself credit because that was a me thing. That wasn't a career coach thing. That was just like a Britney thing. Um, But yeah, so when I had that introductory phone call, I was like, wow, this is checking everything, like literally every single goal, every single desire that I had for a role. And like I said, I didn't, I just assumed it had been filled. Like when I first heard that Sam was leaving, I was like, you know, disappointed because I listened to the show. But also, yeah. I mean, I was happy for him, you know, like I figured that he was going to be going on to something really great, which obviously he has. But um, I was not thinking at all. Like I wasn't even thinking of not freelancing anymore at that point in time. I just wasn't thinking about that as a job for me. Um, so then when they reached out, I started to think about it differently and see myself in the role. And as I had like gotten a lot clearer on what I actually wanted, um, it just felt like kismet. It was like perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the even though the interview process was long or whatever, because of course they want to make sure that they're getting the right person in the role. Um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> like I enjoyed putting together the test episode and enjoyed the conversations that I had with the people that I now have come to work with and who are now my colleagues. Um, and yeah, it, it, and you know, like I said, I was nervous, like larger audience taking over a show from a beloved host. Um, and also even Sam left the show, I think five months before I actually began airing episodes, there were five months in between of phenomenal hosts, like guest mm-hmm. hosts, like Anna Sale and Juana Summers mm-hmm. and B.A. Parker, just like really smart, amazing people um, that the, you know, the audience that stayed with the show had fallen in love with as well. So, I mean, I was nervous, big shoes to fill and nervous to meet the team, but that was a challenge that I was looking for. I was looking to be in a position, like I know how to come up with an idea for a show and get somebody to buy into that. You know, I've done that a bunch of times, um, but I hadn't had the experience of coming into a room where a party had already been started <laughs> and yeah. trying to get everybody to dance with me. Um, it just I didn't, sounds kind of silly, I guess, but it sounded kind of fun. It sounded really fun to me to um, approach the challenge of trying to entice a new audience and also to come into a team that had already been established and see how we could work together. And thus far, the listeners have been so receptive to me, so kind and really wonderful. Um, and I'm really glad they're vibing with like, you know, my version of the show. Um, but also like the team has just been incredible. Like I like better than I ever could have imagined. Um, everybody is so smart and everybody's just a get shit done person. 
an entire team of get shit done people with follow through and great ideas who are kind and funny and so smart. And um, yeah, like it's been a joy to work on. I know it sounds so corny, <laughs> but no. I was just really like, I was totally ready for it. Like I was, it's it, the exact type of challenge that I wanted. I felt that I was the best person for the job. Um, and they agreed, <laughs> which is good. And um, things have just gone really, really, really well, like better than I even could have hoped. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are back. One thing that I'm really hearing from you is that because you kind of had this vision of what you wanted, what you were looking for, that when it came along, you knew that it was the right thing. And I think having that clarity of vision, whether it was, you know, because of your career coach or whatever else is is so important and so hard to kind of nail down. So that's amazing that you were able to to do that and kind of have that almost like visual in front of you so that when this opportunity came around, you could just kind of jump on it. Yeah, it is really cool. I mean, like I always cringe when people talk about law of attraction, which is not what I'm going to do now because I just don't think it's real. Um, but I do think that the principles or like the exercises that people tell you to do with things like that, or I assume that they tell you, to, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't wait in those waters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of like the people talk about visualization and all that sort of stuff. I think, or even like when I wrote down the post-it or like what I was looking for, I also wrote down like a list of things, like qualities I was looking for in a partner, <laughs> like that I was revise a lot before I met my husband. It's not so much like, I think what it is, is not like, I don't think it's like magic. You know, but it's like a, it's an, I just think of it as an evaluation tool. Yeah, I think like totally. constantly checking in with yourself, having people outside of myself, such as a career coach or even friends or my husband, sometimes my parents that I can just sort of check in with and, and talk things through with. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it just keeps me aware of what it is that I actually want. And I find, I don't know, like in my experience, when I've lied about what I actually want, I get, the shit that I don't want and I'm unhappy <laughs> when I'm honest with myself. And I've done that before um, when I'm honest with myself about what I want and I actually put it out there, like talk to people about it, but also write it down and have it someplace where I can literally just physically see it myself. It makes it such that I have an evaluation tool. That's all I think about it yeah. as an evaluation tool. Yeah. I love this. I think this is so such good advice and I don't know. It's it's like you're you're providing yourself with feedback and a resource that you have at your disposal. So it's just like a it's a handy tool. What stories do you feel like or people do you feel like are undercovered in pop culture right now? <sighs> That's such a good question. <sighs> I think that like R&B as a genre of music is actually undercovered in mm. um in pop culture. Um uh, I think it is like one of the most vibrant and rich, um, musical genres. That's like, I mean, it's, it's, how do I put this? Like it's right now we're in this period where people are saying that like, you know, hip hop is really dead. Like 
it's like the same way that like rock and roll is dead, you know, mm-hmm. um, that it's basically it's rain as the prevailing youth culture is, you know, starting to diminish. Um, it's sunsetting. I think that that I can't remember the exact stats or where they came from or whatever, but I remember there being some recent statistic about how hip hop was the most was like the best selling genre, I think, of music for however many years. And I think that that is not happening anymore or something like that in the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, there's all these different, like, I, I don't think hip hop culture can die. I don't think that's possible. Although I think the rock and roll culture is absolutely dead. I don't think hip hop culture could die. Yes. Um, but I do like, you know, you see so many different types of musical genres, like American musical, American popular musical genres, sort of like, rise and fall, rise and fall. And R&B mm. is so consistent and has one of the most mm. engaged listenerships of people who buy the music, know the music, engage with the artists and actually pay for merchandise and to go to shows. Um, and I just find that so, so, so interesting that there are a decent amount of R&B artists that maybe aren't necessarily household names, especially not to white people, but um, but to their fans, they're able to tour consistently make good livings mm. and actually like continue to put out music into their you know 40s 50s 60s 70s you know into the decades where especially female artists um are told that nobody wants to hear from you anymore so i don't know that's something that i think about sometimes um oh on um the episode of it's been a minute that's coming out that probably just dropped right now in the time that we've been recording, um, I um, I spoke with Maya Montaña Smuckler, who wrote this book called Liberating Hollywood, um, which is about like just the period of the 1970s when um, like more and more women began to direct films. Still between, <laughs> I believe, 1967 and 1980. Uh, only 16 women directed Hollywood feature films during that period. Whoa. More than 16 films, but 16 women, I wow. believe, directed films during that period. I know. Wow. I know. And this is during like the, the, you know, the birth of independent cinema and yeah. when like directors like Francis Ford Coppola and Steven Spielberg are getting their, you know, their footing. And, and also all of those women were white. Um, mm-hmm. so that, and that comes after a period between the ni- the mid 1930s to the mid 1960s where only two women directed hollywood feature films only two two <laughs> that whole <laughs> 30 year period right oh my god the period that preceded that was the silent era um where there were 57 um women who worked wow. during that period directing films and some of them had out- I mean, the silent films were shorter um but some of them had creative outputs of hundreds of films over the course of their careers it still wasn't like 50% or anywhere near half of, you know, the people who were directing films during that period during the mm. silent era were women, but it was still a notable drop, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, I had a great conversation with her where she sort of laid out the history of women directors in American cinema and how we get to this moment where there is this shutout in the best director category at the Academy Awards. Um, not just a shutout for women directors uh, who have been nominated in other categories or whose films, you know, uh, have been nominated in other categories, but also like I think about, you know, a film like Woman King directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, which was completely shut out of yeah. the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. like absolutely no nominations and was definitely one of the most well-done films that I saw last year. And Gina Prince-Bythewood is a director who has incredible body of work who can go toe to toe with any of these men, I believe that they've nominated and some of the men I like, you know, no shade, but, um, but yeah, I think that, um, I think that Hollywood is such a specific American invention and it's like, it's a huge creative output, but also the biggest propaganda machine that our country has. It's one Mm. of the biggest propaganda machines in the world. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I think if you look at Uh it in a certain light, um, and I think that it is, but it also has like the power to, in in some positive ways, really shape people's lives and touch them on a deep level. And I think that there's something really nefarious and bad about mm. the fact that at least half of the population is shut out from being at the helm of that type of output. 
Um, I'm not saying like, <laughs> I want women to do propaganda too, <laughs> but more so like, I just wonder fundamentally how much, how different, um, I just wonder how different the film industry would be um, if it had been, if if women, if yeah. there was never that, I don't know, I guess if there was never that big stumbling block um, coming out of the silent era into the talkies um, up through now, it's just, it's so it just seems really tainted and bad and rough. Um, but yeah, those are two things that I'm like, <laughs> that I'm like, I wish we talked about more in pop culture. Yeah. I mean, I think Magic Mike 3, Last Dance would have been a lot better, perhaps directed by somebody else. Right. And maybe and, also written by yeah. somebody else. Yeah. I, I, it, it was really surprising to me that um, that for that film to come out in 2023, that it wasn't directed by a woman. Yeah, um, it was just really, really surprising to me. But ultimately, who makes these decisions? Their studios, and who are the studios full of? Huh. Um. So yeah, I, I, uh, those are two. Yeah, it's it's so wild. Like when you really actually get deep into like who's directing in Hollywood, who has power, and, mm. and the images that we see, and how they're like they can either, I don't know, entertain us, heal us, or taint our brains. It's yeah. just ah, uh, it's a lot. And who gets to stick around? You know, who gets one chance and then they're out. And who right. gets to stick around and yeah. keep failing and and for some reason never leave. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. But yeah, so those are two of my little thoughts. Um, how do you think Gen Z is influencing pop culture? Like, <sighs> aside from just like being on TikTok, which like we all mm. know that they're doing, but do, do you see other ways in which they are kind of steering or different directions they're steering pop culture toward? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that Gen Z, um, I, you know, the, the, one of the coolest parts of freelancing was being able to meet a lot of different teams mm. and work with a lot of different people. And like over the past couple of years, like Gen Z has entered the workforce. Um, and so I've like over the past few years, I've met, um, and gotten to connect with like a number of Gen Z colleagues and, um, I love working with them. <laughs> Um, but I think that like, I guess as like having a very millennial viewpoint, (laughs) um, cause I'm like smack in the middle of like the millennial age group. Um, I think that Gen Z is a generation of people who have always had the internet. Like I, even me being born in 1987, I know people who are like Gen X and like, who are like, like, uh, or Xennials is my (laughs) <laughs> beloved calls himself um sometimes you people who were born in the early 80s or late 70s or whatever or before then um are always like we're the last generation who grew up without the internet the thing is is like i i think there's a big difference between like having one home computer that everybody in your house shared right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. and like and like having a smartphone yeah. which is something that i didn't have until i gra- like graduated from college yeah you know um or like maybe I was an undergrad and I had like a and also I'm like is a BlackBerry really a smartphone? Oh, <laughs> let's let's be real that about a, that. That we could debate that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Is it? So like maybe not the, exactly. So um, I think that like uh, like the the internet, like I don't know, I, I I grew up for like the first ten years of my life like without even really having like an email address or anything like that. You yeah. know, I didn't get one until mm-hmm. I was like 10, 11 years old. Like the idea of like like doing anything other on the computer like other than playing a couple of games maybe was just not a part of my life um and it wasn't how me and my friends communicated with each other you remember back in the day you sent a text message it could take a day or two to get to the other person <laughs> if it got there at all so i um i'm really impressed with how um just like gen z people um like use I don't know, just like with how much information they have. Hmm. Um, I think they're so informed and, um, and so aware of so many different things that I just wouldn't have been aware of when I was their age. Um, and that wouldn't have also just wasn't aware of when I was their age. Yeah. Um, and so I, I find that like with the Gen Z like creators that I like follow or Gen Z celebrities or, you know, things that like, you know, yeah, like Gen Z writers and things like that, things that they're covering. Um, they come from some such such a more deeply informed perspective, I think, than previous generations, and they're very thoughtful, um, in engaging lots of different perspectives mm. to be able to have a really well rounded and informed take, and also to me seem less beholden 
to like the idea that they came into to a given situation with or a given topic with and more um in invested in the idea of like gaining new information and then forming a viewpoint about something. So I find that to be really, um, and I don't find that all the time across the board, in my generation, you don't find yeah. that as you go up the, nope. yep. yeah, as you go up in age, you don't find that quality. And so I think that's really impressive. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, uh, it's something, um, I don't know. I think that like, I, I think that if older generations were less resistant to thinking in that way, that um, uh, and being open to Gen Z leadership, I think that um, it could be a good thing. But I think that that's reflected in the media that that um, it seems like um, appeals to like, especially I'm thinking maybe younger Gen Z, like maybe college or high school. Seems like that's more apparent in like I don't know in in the way that like they engage with like the internet and the things that Gen Z people seem to be interested in. So like, but that's from my view, like as um you know, as an old ass lady. <laughs> that's like, I mean, that's we're, I guess. Yeah. We're both in that, I guess, exennial cohort. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I didn't get my first email till college. So it, it, but <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny to hear you say that because I have always thought of you're closer in age to my younger sister. And I've always thought of her mm. as like she grew up with the Internet, quote unquote, but like mm. she didn't in the same way, like to your point, she didn't in the same way that like Gen Z grew up with the Internet. Like she didn't have yeah, a smartphone. Yeah. She just had aim on the family computer. Right. <laughs> you know, right, which is right. like, which is different. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's in, that's like an interesting thing to think about. Um Brittany, I I wish we could talk to you for like a few more hours, but we will <laughs> respect your time. Um, it's been it's been such a delight to get to talk to you. Um, yeah, thank you so much great. for coming on thank the you. show and chatting with us. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at B M Loose. That's L U S E. Um, B is in Brittany, M is in my middle name that I'm not going to tell you. Um, loose, L U S E. And also, um, you can find me on the podcast feed every Tuesday and Friday on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Um, we have l- fresh episodes coming to you every Tuesday and Friday. And then, um, if you are an NPR station, like, uh, yeah, if you're an NPR member station listener, then you can listen to NPR usually. Um, on Saturdays and Sundays, there are some stations where it comes out on Friday night. Um, but yeah, we usually come out on the weekends. Um, check your local member station listings to see when you can listen. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. You can also follow NPR. It's been a min on Twitter. Um, and also too, yeah, if you are, if you do listen to the show, let us know what you think about it. And if you like That's it, great. if you had a good time, we have a great time making it. So I hope that, that comes, comes through when people that, I was just going to say, that come comes through. across. Yeah. That definitely comes across. Thank you. Thank um, you. Well, thank you, Brittany. This was really fun. Thank you. This was so much fun. You know, Dory, one thing that we did not get to with Brittany, which I do wish we had talked about, is her meeting the Real Housewives of BravoCon. Yes. Well, I I just want to mention that it was on our document mm-hmm. to you talk about with there. her, but we just had so much to talk about that we didn't even get to it. Like, we didn't want to make this episode four hours long, but maybe it should have been. I mean, we could always, you know, fingers crossed, try to collab again. Okay. All right. You know, especially now that I'm watching more Bravo as I dig my way through season two of Vanderpump Rules to try to catch up on all the hottest pump goss. Mm-hmm. After the scandal, I've like started, you know, I've like, well, I might as well watch 500 episodes of this 10-year-old show. So I'm ready for more Bravo talk, I think. I think I'm there. Yeah, we've been we've been circling this this topic. We've been buzzing around Bravo. I just do want to say like Having having made my way through the first season of Vanderpump and now in the second, it's 2013. They are wearing the chunkiest necklaces you've ever seen. They have oh like God, literal, yes. like yes, uh, 
chains with jewels. It's just the, the fashion has shifted so much over 10 years. Like these people would not be caught dead in these chunky necklaces now. And I remember when that was the time when I was interviewing a lot of celebrities at Junkets and my outfit was always a blazer and a massive chunky necklace. Like that was my look. You know, I was just talking about this with someone because I was in a J crew and like, they've never stopped selling the same costume jewelry that they've been selling since like the early aughts. It's the same sort of like big chunky. Wow. I'm just trashing brands today. It's interesting that you're trashing. I like had a renaissance with J crew and I'm like back on the J crew wagon. Their jewelry. Oh no, not with their jewels. No, but with their clothes. I've bought, I've bought a lot of J crew recently. Well, they do have tall, don't they? They do have tall. Yeah, they do. And they've had tall actually, like they were one of the first. I remember they were early to tall. (laughs) Early to tall. (laughs) They finally looked up and noticed people <laughs> taller than five foot seven, and they were like, "Oh, maybe oh you gosh. also need pants that fit your legs." <laughs> no, <laughs> you're so silly. Oh <laughs> my god, my poor ankles have been exposed for so long. And they're nice ankles. They are weathered because they haven't had proper coverage since 1979. Anyway, oh my we, goodness, we are just tootalooting around Bravo. We are. We're tootalooting. So do you want us it. to make a Bravo podcast? Let I'll us just, know. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Let us know if you want to listen to these two middle-aged women talk about Tom Sandoval's <laughs> ninth his hair. Because um, what is happening? Are you, just and then I'll stop. Are you focused on Tom Sandoval? He has a lot of fashion problems. Oh my god. I'll stop. We'll talk okay. about it later. All right. All right. So what's your intention this week? What was it last week? I've okay. lost track of where we are. The last week I was going to make a couple of other doctor's appointments and I just didn't. I just didn't. That's okay. <sighs> yeah, it is what it is. I did, I did, however, email my son's doctor because I didn't have his upcoming checkup on my calendar. And I was like, hey, when's this appointment? And they were like, it's May 4th. And I was like, great. Mm. And then I said, may the fourth be with... No, I didn't say that. No, you didn't. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't say that. Um, But so that was my my nod to (laughs) making doctor's appointments. Good job, Dory. Um, This week, I might try to get some shoes that fit. That seems reasonable. Thanks. Will you model them for it? Like if you get a pair after this episode, will you post which pair you decide on to the gram? I will. I sure will. Okay, thank you. Um, Kate, did you have patience last week? I think I did, although it was graded very thin. We're recording this a little bit ahead of time just because of the aforementioned road trip I'm going on. So we just kind of went through daylight savings time over the last couple of weeks. And Mm. boy, does that throw everything off. It does. For me, like, I I was going to bed so late last night and I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm so so confused about... What my body needs. Anyway, <clears throat> I think I did. I think I made it through. And I, I do feel like a variety of things have kind of been helping me have more patience. Oh, nice. Part of it's like working with my therapist, my ADHD meds, I think helps. I'm a little bit giving myself a little bit more grace on things. Oh, nice. Um, this week, I just want to be present. You know, I'm excited to go on this trip with my family. We don't always get like really good quality time. We're going to be spending a lot of time in the car because we're driving everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I just want to really, I want to take in like these natural wonders that I've never seen before. I'm just, I'm really excited to just kind of like try to pause for a week, you know, silence my phone and just be present with my family and nature. That sounds great. Well, Dory, thanks for yes. doing this with me. Thanks for doing this with me. Here on the Forever 35 podcast, which is hosted and produced by us, Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is ACAST. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye.